1: Evolve may have gone the way of the Dodo, and how can you have the greatest wrestling match ever when you're not even the best wrestling match that week? It's Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins, along with Chris
0: Novembrino. I'm using my microphone, boys.
1: <laughs> take two. Um, yeah, uh, but we didn't get too far in the first take. So No, we, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But big story this week, Paul Heyman out as executive producer, writing teams being consolidated under the guidance of one Bruce Pritchard. Chris, your thoughts before I go into mine.
0: Sure. So we're looking at Paul Heyman, and I think, you know, especially from the outside looking in, when you're looking at who is available right now to write these shows, Paul Heyman um, at first blush would probably seem like the strongest fit. But I, I think, you know, as you're going to kind of get into uh, Paul Heyman was in certain ways running his section of the show in a way that was not reality based, which kind of flesh that out. Uh, he kind of thought that he had his own little raw island where he could do whatever. But the, the brand right now is not really doing a brand split. You don't have uh, two different. You don't have a Raw versus SmackDown thing going on right now. You don't even have a wild card rule going on right now. It's just whoever needs to be on whichever show is going to be on whichever show, which is, I think, in part grounded in the reality that, you know, COVID 19 is happening and you have a consolidated roster. You have, it's just a different time in wrestling right now. And Paul Heyman was operating like there was a real ratings war thing that he needed to juice up.
1: Well, the irony is it hasn't even been a year since Heyman was introduced as executive producer of Raw and Eric Bischoff was introduced as executive producer of SmackDown. And
0: I totally forgot that Bischoff was introduced yeah, as the executive producer he of SmackDown. Lasted,
1: he lasted two weeks.
0: But that should have been the first sign to Paul Heyman that the original plan that he was sold on when he was brought back into the company was not actually going to be the plan going forward. And, and let me tell you, Jeff, that is unheard of as an experience for somebody with WWE to be sold on a picture that does not come to fruition. The second they come in the tour <laughs> that never happens. Well, it's not, uh, that's not a, the story with this company
1: with Heyman. You take the good and you take the bad. Um, yeah, I think uh, so. And you take them both and there. You have the facts of life. Um,
0: <laughs> the facts of it, look, life. Look,
1: yes. Uh, Heyman loves underutilized, never pushed talent.
0: And you he know, was making and, some strong choices like Apollo Cruz,
1: Apollo Cruz, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Andrade. He had Cruz and Andrade from SmackDown where Bruce Pritchard didn't want those kinds of guys. He wanted. Oh, to yeah. Ricochet is, I think, other. a
0: really good example here, right? Uh, Ricochet, you can almost see the pissing match playing out between Heyman and other forces where Ricochet is being built up, Ricochet is being jobbed out. I think we've actually been seeing some of this fighting happening on our screen.
1: Yeah. And, and Heyman's remember Heyman's greatest, almost con was he convinced WCW and WWF to get into a bidding war over the public enemy who weren't that great, but they were the most over tag team and act in ECW when they jumped ship. Um, When that happens though, you ruffle feathers of guys who are already at the top of the mountain and there there's talk that there are issues there there's talk that gosh Paul Heyman doesn't play well in a corporate setting who knew and and as as you, and this uh, is not
0: exactly the healthiest corporate environment either yeah. i I mean part of when when they say also when they say Paul Heyman doesn't play well in a corporate setting you part of that is that the corporation he's been working with is a corporation that has historic um, tendencies towards short to medium short term relationships with lots of different people, it's, it's, up to it, including Rob Gronkowski. So, does Rob Gronkowski not play well in a corporate setting, or?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like you're being thrown into the TV show Succession. Um, <laughs> yeah. and,
0: yeah, and then, I, I don't uh, know that we know that Rob Gronkowski doesn't work well in a corporate setting. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, there, there's also the what you alluded to is that Heyman doesn't like showing his hand because he's afraid he's going to get undercut because of all this.
0: So, And that's, know, that's kind of a justified true belief, but he's just handling it the wrong way. Um, so like he's I not mean,
1: playing I, in his sandbox, though he's playing in Vince no, McMahon's sandbox, and Vince is true. always going to have the final say.
0: And this is an environment right now where Vince is kind of doing his one last grasp at power, and and we've seen that sort of play out with Triple H, right? Triple H got that shadowed emotion. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> like, I just don't think Heyman was reading the room well. While I enjoy a lot of his creative and stylistic choices, and certainly think that. In a vacuum, if you're asking me whose television would you rather watch, Chris, Paul Heyman's television or Bruce Pritchard's television, it's like a no contest. Give me what Paul Heyman's vision is, good and bad, because Bruce Pritchard, I know what I'm getting. But this is about interpersonal relationships. Um, We forgot to mention that in pushing some of these underutilized talent, you're ruffling the feathers of more established talent that have generally had a nice ride there and therefore have more stroke inside of the company.
1: I actually did say that.
0: Oh well, whatever. (laughs) I I didn't listen to it because I heard it the first time we taped this show. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know when you say shit,
1: (laughs) but but there's 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 this weird thing going on when when WWE is in expansion mode. Vince allows people to take the reins of projects and do you know like when they were trying to establish NXTs around the world, and you know the XFL thing was going to take him away and 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 draw his focus away from there. Now that that's gone, it's t- and now that ratings are kind of going down, even though they're making more money than they ever have, there's, there's grumblings across the board. Now's the time where he's going to consolidate power, and the only person Vince McMahon truly trusts is Vince McMahon. And so he's going to have the people around him who are going to tell him, what he wants to hear, and that's Bruce Pritchard to a T. I,
0: and this also gets to why WWE. I mean, not that I'm, I'm not doing a big in defensive corporations here, but when you want to talk about successful large scale business operations, it is essential that there can't only be one person you trust.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. I think five hours of television under Bruce Pritchard is going to burn out Pritchard real quick look putting on an hour of quality tv to your average executive producer is tough he's now going to have both writing teams combined writing a lot of things for him and he's going to have to be the filter and he's going to have to take what he thinks vince likes to vince and write a show two shows 5 hours worth of tv that vince thinks will cover all the bases that vince once and i just that's gotta be uh, you know he's shown he doesn't trust triple h enough to take the reins just yet he's shown he didn't trust Heyman. he trusts pritchard to a point i just i just i think he's
0: reaching out to pritchard because he doesn't know who to reach out to at this point
1: right and and look there's an issue in that And AEW suffers from this, and I've mentioned this. We haven't had a major change in the style of wrestling um, presentation in about 25 years. Really, we haven't. Since the Monday Night Wars began, it's all been Monday Night Wars-style thing the production teams go from wrestling federation to wrestling federation but they're still the giving camera moves.
0: angles and the sensibilities yes. of the camera angles go from wrestling federation to wrestling federation i mean this is why i got into lucha underground it wasn't i'm not as many in the lucha community were very nice to point out i'm not a lucha expert what i'm interested in and what drew me to lucha underground was the idea that we're actually presenting wrestling in a different, fresher way, because this version of wrestling is nearly 20 years old at this point. You go back, and you, I mean, you can kind of draw this line from when Raw was Raw is War style Raw, which actually did have a Raw feel to it, still, to when Vince, once WWF became WWE, settled in on this weird fluorescent lights style of wrestling. Um, it's the best word I can kind of come up for. I hope it's evocative, but it feels like they're wrestling under fluorescent lights. I know these are like huge, high-dollar lights or whatever, but there's something too bright, too perfect-looking. And I think the thing that a lot of us gravitate to, whether you're watching frontier martial arts wrestling or old NWA or old AWA, old WCW, um, and even you know WWF from the '90s, is there's this grittiness. Um, I I saw, I'm sure you saw this too, the In Your House video package that they did where they interspliced stuff from current NXT to the old WWF In Your Houses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were observing there's something that just feels more real about the way wrestling was presented back in the day. And this super slick presentation um, and just the same old camera angles and, and the same old approaches to stuff not wanting to do the studio wrestling not wanting to do at least lucha underground was trying new things with cutscenes. at least the new nwa power is taking different camera angles and trying to bring you a little bit back to you know 1988 with some of the cinematography wwe has you squarely stuck in the nostalgic good old days of let me check my notes here 2002 who doesn't remember those years fondly
1: yeah, I think there's also two other factors you have to take into account. Number one is UFC's dominance in terms of time and 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 exposure because before, I mean when wrestling was quote-unquote violent and it was bad men talking smack and fake fighting, you didn't have a lot of options other than a big boxing match for that kind of violent um voyeurism if you if if you will um you know now you get now every weekend there's a ufc card so you can get you know so that that portion of the audience has has left wrestling is at its most ice cold right now than i think it's been since maybe 1992 um WWE fans like WWE wrestling fans like WWE and wrestling only wrestling fans like AEW Wednesday night. The numbers were virtually identical between NXT and AEW and total D or total Bellas beat them both,
0: which means this is the question I've been asking that I I keep not getting, not, not putting this on you, but I don't get a clear answer on is, are these shows even breaking off of the standard pulse of what these networks are doing? Or are these, I'm just keeping this TV on right now.
1: Yeah. Um, and and look, the last time wrestling was red hot was Austin and Rock. The only time since it's really, really come close was the CM Punk pipe bomb, which they just Lou, they absolutely. Punk and
0: Daniel Bryan would be the last two maybe, little mini ripples.
1: Maybe. Yeah. The Daniel Bryan thing was there. And, and, yeah. No, the thing, Daniel Bryan
0: and, thing was definitely, I mean, I, I was in some of those houses. Though, that mean, it was a different energy. Now, this is, this is a defeated energy.
1: Yeah. It, it's the why are we going to get behind guys we like when we know you're going to cut them off at the knees? I mean, it, it's, 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 it's still the battle between who they want and who we want. And until it gets resolved, until one side surrenders, it's going to be that. And, and the people who don't want to surrender have gone on to AEW. But, you know, AEW is good, but it's not It's not setting the world on fire. People just view it as another form of wrestling.
0: I mean, that if they even view it. I, I mean, the Howard Stern clip here this week that I think has been making a little bit of commentary chatter, especially involving Goldust, because Stern used to love Goldust, they referred to AEW as a backyard wrestling federation. Now, I, I think maybe they saw the uh, Lance Archer, Jake the Snake thing, too. Uh, that like that might actually be it. But I think people people think now about wrestling, ironically, as WWE. I say ironically because Vince wants people to think about WWE as entertainment and not wrestling. So like, there's just this big disconnect from what the market thinks WWE offers to what WWE wants to offer the market and the people who are still wrestling fans are hanging on and hanging in there but i mean it's hard to look at NXT right now and say i'm excited the way i was 5 6 years ago remember how excited we used to be about talking about NXT <laughs> like it was it was the best um it was so fun and so fresh and it did feel like something different um and The whatever the magic was, it is just totally absent right now. And, you know, some of that is the coronavirus, but not enough of it can solely be put. To to lay it all at the doorstep of the coronavirus would ignore the entirety of 2019 and even the year prior where we've been seeing this steady downward trend. To lay this all at the doorstep of the coronavirus would ignore the fact that you and I have talked about the, the headline, quote, Raw posts its lowest ratings ever. We've talked about that headline three, four times now. Uh, I mean, this is a steady downward trend that, like, I thought if anything going into this, especially with people, you know, wanting to be able to watch stuff, being home, and maybe having the TV on more. It gave an opportunity to hit the reset button on some of the bad sensibilities that had taken into WWE television, utilize the network, which you have your own network and you can put out more content. If you guys really think we need more content, do some interview shows. You've got lots of interesting people that you have, that you're paying money to some of whom you're paying money to, and you can do interviews with them um, or you do a different sort of presentation. Pop a headline uh, to date since the coronavirus stuff started. The only coverage that they've been getting is like, wow, isn't wrestling without an audience weird. Like it, it's been gawking it's not been watching it's not been clapping and wanting to see what's coming up next because you want to take your mind off of some of the darkness around um there's an opportunity here in a vacuum that they had this they they had a brass ring jeff and vince didn't go for the brass ring
1: well i think also part of part of the not watching is also not a lot of it but there's a backlash against vince and dana for running these Empty arena shows, in the midst of the pandemic, um, and and that can't be denied either.
0: But you know, if, here's the thing, Jeff. If the shows that Vince were putting on the television yes. were good, yes, it did that. It washes away all sins. It's kind of like my first rule of comedy:
1: has to be funny.
0: Yeah, if the show was good, you wouldn't care.
1: Yeah, no, that that's that's very very true. Uh, speaking of the NXT glory days, Evolve is either going to declare bankruptcy or has been bought out by the wwe for its parts namely its videotape library they still have yet to refund tickets from wrestlemania weekend um without evolve there's no nxt so i think attention must be paid Uh, i was not the biggest evolve watcher in the world say for a couple years three or four years ago so i'm really not i'm not equipped to talk about the true glory days of evolve but you know it made Johnny Gargano a star. It, it, it showcased a lot of talent.
0: It showcased Matt Riddle. It, it introduced <laughs> us to Drew Gulak. I, I mean, they lived up to what their goal was, which is to show us the talent of tomorrow. And yeah. I think that they gave the talent of tomorrow a good forum to shine. But in, in recent years, I think in part because they wanted to become, you know, part of the WWE feeder system and have this, fairly strong if not fully formalized relationship with WWE I think that that kind of left them in a weird niche and then once AEW popped up and WWE got really crazy about buying up all the people from the indies it left a place like Evolve in a lot of places on the indies really struggling to find good talent to you know, build their cards out with. And so you know, it's unfortunate, but I'm also like not an expert on Evolve to the point where I can opine on it any further than that.
1: Speaking of the talent of tomorrow today, this past Sunday was in your house, the latest in the NXE takeover. Uh I liked this card more than most people. And I'm not going to say it was one of the best takeovers ever. That would be hyperbola that even I could not sell. Uh, You have to say
0: a Jim Ross-style, (laughs) hyperbole.
1: But I think the only match that really did not work for me on any level was, oddly enough, the one that they pre-taped, the Adam Cole-Velveteen Dream match, just did not work for me um, on a level it probably should have, just because there was just too much going on that had nothing to do with Cole and Velveteen Dream. But the six-woman tag I thought over-delivered, I thought Balor versus Priest was perfectly fine. Uh, Lee and Gargano, you know, other than some of the goofy stuff, <laughs> the Doc Hendricks picture beforehand made me laugh. And then the key spot that we all knew was coming. You know, we we knew it was coming. Um, I thought they were quite brave in what they did with Carrion Cross and Tommaso Ciampa, just being a straight up
0: yes, demolition. I mean the most intriguing match of the whole card uh, was Carry and Cross and Tommaso Ciampa. Because we were thinking there was gonna be shenanigans or whatever, and what they did is they it broke down Tommaso a bit, and they've totally built up Karrion Cross. Now, we'll see what the follow-up is, and if they keep doing goofy stuff with Scarlets.
1: It was a mean guy match. It didn't last long, and it was one guy is definitely more meaner on this day than the other because Karrion Cross was suplexing Tommaso Ciampa on on that bad neck of his, like there was no tomorrow. I
0: love that Tommaso didn't screw up in any way. He just got completely overwhelmed. Like he was fighting his ass off the whole match and just absolutely couldn't really get a foothold on this guy. There wasn't stupid baby face syndrome at all, which is the bravest move of all of this. He was a brave baby face and a strong baby face in an overwhelmed baby. Face. I just think that's totally a he's different a, way he, of doing it.
1: He's a made guy who on this day just ran into a guy who was on his top day. And that is a story. WWE never tells that. Well, other than maybe, you know, the closest thing to that was that Brock Cena match where he suplexed him 16 times and even that was getting a bit into the uh ridiculous category this was just a domination and then and then the victory and you just watched and went that was everything it needed to be, it should have been it was violent it was short it was good i loved it i loved that match um and i loved the three way uh for the women's title i, I think yeah was, i thought was that cute.
0: was very good and that was that was a very good match yeah, yeah. yeah. but but um, even by nxt takeover standards You know, if I was actually like looking at all of the all time NXT takeover matches, I don't know that it would make it. I I think it'd be hanging out in the bottom third somewhere.
1: What did you think of the 80s motif? It was even a bit anachronistic for in your house, to be honest with you. But, you know, the Todd Pettengill, the ice cream sandwiches, the Ico Pro commercial.
0: I think it's fun honestly i yeah. see like this is the stuff that i want i want like an aesthetic change like we would just spend a whole decent chunk of the show here talking about that i don't mind doing a Thebes show I, I i think it's fun i also think it's fun to celebrate your history and i'd hope that maybe taking a look back at history would remind them of like cool things that they used to do and like they used the set well a thing that i used to love about all the uh, old wcw shows is how like you know halloween havoc we'd end up totally beating each other up with the tombstones and stuff
1: yeah, they they wanted uh, they wanted Michael Hayes to be Doc Hendricks on the show, and he wouldn't agree to it.
0: So and, weird. And, he,
1: yeah. oh, and by the way, there, there there's a guy who's also still part of that inner circle. Um, right, right, but, yeah. But I howled, yeah. I howled at the Gargano. Thumbs up to the photo. <laughs> For his match. It was so. What the? And then you you think about it and you realize, oh, okay. That's probably why they did that was cuz they couldn't actually get him and then then the you know look the spot with the ring doorbell video I thought was creative use of camera work I just thought it was a little dopey for a serious match but overall the aesthetic with with Pettingill being self-deprecating and the ice cream sandwich ad which I thought was fun and and Adam I loved Cole I love Adam
0: like, Cole doing a Bret Hart yeah yeah, because yeah, yeah. he totally slapped an accent on his voice. I don't know if you caught that.
1: I did. I, yeah, I'm, I'm. I was fine with that. I thought it was comedy done in a good way. It's, it's being in on the joke without making it a joke, and I thought that was what that was the best part of it. But yeah,
0: um, I, yeah. I see. Like, because a, a bit like that, I don't think takes away at all from the actual Adam Cole character on screen. You know what I mean? Like that. That's why I, I'm fine with that because. It's just, it's living, it's leaning in and living the gimmick. And like that, that's what used to make some of these theme shows fun. You don't just have like an oblique name, like Backlash. Um, you have something that actually kind of wraps it around. Uh, even when it's cheesy, like uh, Tony Schiavone back in the day when that Halloween havoc, where it's like, Welcome to Tony's house and he gives <laughs> candy. Like, that's just memorable. We still talk about it. Uh, when Sing goes to Vader's White Castle of Fear. Like, we remember those bits. They're fun. That's actually part of what made wrestling, you know, entertaining and imagination capturing, the camp factor.
1: Speaking of Tony Schiavone, AEW, we'll do a quick stop there before going on to our main roster slash TV reviews if we need to.
0: Oh, can I just say one thing real quickly about NXT Um oh, sure. the main Go event ahead. here? Like, because we didn't really talk about Cole and Velveteen Dream. I just – I get nothing out of the Velveteen Dream Dexter Loomis dynamic. Yeah. It's got nothing – there's no magic to it. It's just like these two weird guys are friends-ish, I guess. And Dexter Loomis as like a baby face, it's just – it's weird.
1: He kidnapped guys on Sunday and they were back on TV on Wednesday.
0: And they don't really explain how.
1: Yeah. I I just – it's – oh it it, it kind of goes into the the <laughs> el Hio del Fantasma story as well they just they just do these things and then uh, and moving on and you're kind of like huh okay we're not going to have any of the drama associated with it we're not going to have any of the mystery associated with it it's just yeah it, it's just there's your entertainment let's keep going um
0: all right, yeah, but I just I wanted to get that in there, and we'll, we'll get a chance to revisit Dexter Loomis more here when we talk about NXT proper. But yeah, I just there's no magic between Dream and Loomis. I
1: thought the revival versus Butcher and Blade match was quite good.
0: Yeah, I, that was fun.
1: I I, like, thought- I liked the interplay of Tully and Arn watching from the audience, and then Sean Spears just kind of staring a hole into the back of Tully's head the entire time. I think Tully is the first guy to get that glove unfortunately um i don't know if he's going to be written off permanently or if he's going to be moved to another act but
0: uh i think he's going to get moved to the revival
1: i hope so yeah i I
0: hope so i i think so and i yeah i i'm not sure i'm not sure where that's going with spears um it it may be a thing where there's like a double turn thing where the revival turn heel and spears turns face and the glove actually ends up being a face-defining thing for him.
1: It does ruin the continuity a bit of the relationship between Tully and Arn on screen, because as we recall, Arn came out there to attack Tully during the MJF versus Sean Spe- or during the Cody versus Sean Spears match. Um, yeah, it, it that's the only part that was a native, for me, but the match itself, I thought uh, that really showed that FDR, especially with uh, Butcher, who is not. Doesn't have as much ring generalship as the others in that match. I mean, Pepper Parks is going to be fine. Uh, Blade, for those of you who don't know the other name, um, and the FDR can can guide them through there. I thought it was exciting. You know, the the throwback to certain other teams, the Power and Glory spot. Oh, I the love the
0: Power spot. and Glory spot. How did they miss the call on the Power and Glory spot too?
1: Uh, I just I just, I just think it's one of those things that. Uh, People forget power and glory as a, as as a tag team. Um, to be honest with you, that's one of here. the
0: great finishes, man. I, I, it's a superplex and the other guy hits you with a splash. It should be good for a three count every time. The
1: one to watch. There was one against the Rockers at a SummerSlam. I think it was the Rockers, and it it was just a thing of beauty because as soon as Hercules hit the superplex, Roma was landing on the guy for the for the uh, splash. And I'd never seen it executed that flawlessly before, and it's awesome. Um, Yeah, still a little bit of weirdness in the – they're doing the mutual respect thing for now, um, which is fine, I guess. Uh, The Bucks
0: promo stuff – the problem with the Bucks for me has always been when they get on the microphone. It's just – it's nothing special is the best way to put it. And it didn't feel like they really have a whole lot of, like – Heat going into this angle of like we've been carrying tag yeah. and wrestling on our back for the last ten years. Whatever,
1: whatever. Yeah. <laughs> sure you have.
0: Okay, guys.
1: I mean, you've been good. Don't get me wrong, but uh,
0: well, everyone and, rest- who gets and wrestling observers, subscri-
1: yeah, wrestling yeah. observer subscribers love you, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it. I look, dude. I I, I like the Bucks a lot, but I thought American Alpha and, and the revival and DIY revival even authors of pain being involved in those with those two teams. I thought they were having much better tag team matches than, than the bucks, but
0: yeah, no, I would take, I mean, I think revival has a really solid case for this, but you know, for example, American alpha, if they had been able to stay together for longer, I think they would have been super, super, super over. Um, like the Usos
1: have been slacking over.
0: There's another good, good example. The Usos have been very good. They just, you know, they had some personal issues along the way here. They're stuck in WWE. If anything, if you want to grade them, consider the fact that they've been having great matches with the New Day, another team that you could totally toss into that mix in a serious conversation. Um, but, like, the Usos have been having great matches for all of the last decade in a company that does not prioritize tag team wrestling at all. So imagine if they were allowed to be wrestling in a forum that gave them access to 20, 25-minute matches where they could really put on clinics. I think the Usos would be seriously considered the best tag team of the last decade, straight up.
1: So on the main roster this week, um, possibly the most interesting thing was, what, a four-segment match between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental title? The story had been Daniel bringing back the Intercontinental title to his former glory. Uh, aj styles had never held the wwe intercontinental title i don't believe um you might be able to tie in aj styles to the paul Heyman issues Uh, i don't know that for a fact but uh, it would seem to me if top talent is moving over to another show might be a reason um and aj styles wins clean no cheating better wrestler that day gives a heel promo afterwards still that he's the best uh, I loved this match, Chris. I think it's going to be better than uh, Edge and Orton on the pay-per-view.
0: Well, I think Edge and Orton is a bait-and-switch. Uh, the, the the more they keep saying it, the the more I'm convinced that this is not really going to be much of a wrestling match at all. Um, but, no, I thought that this was a, a really, really great wrestling match. The tough part for this match is, one, you're wrestling in front of a fake audience. And, two... Oh, my
1: God. Let me, this... let me go into that for a second. Okay, yeah.
0: go ahead, please.
1: I made the mistake because usually I'll listen to it on my TV with surround sound and whatnot, but I made the mistake of listening to the show on, uh, I have a pair of Bose headphones. I was
0: going to say you had headphones and you actually could hear people I say could hear them.
1: I could hear what they were saying. I could hear what they were doing. And I know that these guys are under a lot of pressure. So I'm giving them a lot, a lot of leash. But (laughs) let me leave it like that. But some of the things they're shouting, I can hear and it's not helping. And I'd just rather, you know how you get those crowds that are trying to be the show rather than part of the show. That's the difference to me. I want them to be part of the show rather than trying to be the show
0: yeah and they need to like I think the directive needs to be for the audience. one audiences don't normally need directives, but two, the directive needs to be for the audience, yeah, you're out there sort of as yourself, but mostly, we want you to play the character of really enthusiastic fan who wants to go along with the well, show. No, you
1: need to treat it like a film shoot, and trust me when you when you're dealing with these types of scenes i've I've been an extra on productions before in crowd scenes, there's always one or two that are really, like, oh, the director's going to see me and give me a line and I'm going to get bumped up or I'm going to get a credit or I'm going to get, you know, it happens in every walk of entertainment and I think it's happening here and it's just, it's, you're, you're dead on on this, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, the, the, the that's an issue. And then the other issue for this match is that it's been buttressed around a lot of fairly unserious storylines recently. Yeah, I mean, everything from the fact that the champion on this show, Braun Strowman, is going into a title match against two human beings where he's still somehow not the underdog. Uh, I mean, like, that's not very serious. And then the Jeff Hardy, Sheamus stuff. I mean, if you like the drinking angle, I suppose you like the drinking angle, but like, no, I, I, I sure don't. don't. Right. <laughs>
1: I don't because even on the video package, he had he had a an arrest for drunken public last year and a driving under the influence arrest last year, and the timeline stopped at two thousand eighteen. I can't, I can't get into a guy fighting his demons and overcoming his demons storyline until there's proof he's overcome his demons. I just can't, and this this was a retread. Of, of a storyline from 2005, I think, or 2002. I can't remember it. Look, doctors don't keep urine samples in beer mugs. Last I checked.
0: I like the weird twisted face on the doctor when they suggested <laughs> the urine sample. and He was like, huh, urine. <laughs> like, like, why are you so happy about getting urine?
1: I am <laughs> so happy. Oh, my goodness. I... I just, it, it it's in poor taste. Of course, the urine's gonna get thrown all over the guy. I, it doesn't give me a lot of faith.
0: You know it would be way more interesting and also way more true to Jeff Hardy's reality right now is if this was about Jeff Hardy struggling with his demons so he was becoming a tweener character. Like, sometimes he was good and sometimes he was kind of bad. Not unlike the way Sting used to be. Um, I think that's a more interesting way of using Jeff Hardy on television. Him is just the pure baby face and coming out and doing the clapping and all that stuff, it's – no one asked for this. No, yeah, no yeah. one asked for this.
1: Um, other things I liked on the main roster, I – this was a subtle thing, and I don't think a lot of people picked up on this at the time during the celebration last night for Bailey and Sasha, when Bailey had written a poem in celebration of their tag team win, people forget that a lot of the mocking of Bailey as a babyface when she was there was because she was too much of a fangirl. And she had written that poem when she was eight or whatever about how she was going to become a professional wrestler. And just her absolute honest anger, it seemed, that she wasn't able to get to this poem because people were interrupting her celebration. I thought that was a fantastic little wrinkle to the entire Bailey character.
0: I think she should commemorate more special occasions with poems. With poems? <laughs> yes, that's the absolute part of her heel character. Uh maybe she gets interrupted, maybe she gives them maybe she doesn't um, maybe they're like just brutally vicious and like it's like this is a poem, and she starts reading from it. It doesn't even rhyme. it's just a scathing critique of someone on a pink piece of paper, but I think she should embrace the poems as a gimmick.
1: You know, there was a lot of good wrestling on raw too. I'm looking through those results i mean the the black and Creo versus Murphy and theory match was really good, I thought you know, I thought you know the 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 triple threat tag team was a little iffy because there's no reason Asuka and Charlotte should be, you know, they should either put it aside or wait till after the match to feud, but they were doing that whole tag partners don't get along thing.
0: The peep show was awkward. I just yeah. thought that the dynamic between Christian and Edge was
1: It didn't feel weird. like they were. It really the best friends they were. Yeah.
0: No, it was just an unearned dynamic. Like, why is Christian being like this?
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, if you watch them on their show on the network, there's obviously a rapport to them where they can say things if they wanted to that would, be, that would cut through um, niceties. Like, like, Christian could tell Edge harsh truths if he wanted to, and you could script that. It's just this, this wasn't the verbiage that Christian would ever use if he was going to do that to the guy.
0: Yeah, and the tone was just off
1: yeah it, like it, yeah the, it the hard like
0: a... truth thing makes some
2: sense yeah like that they... in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe i can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com the only repack that provides real value by going to arena club.com slash VOW net. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slap pack, $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all connected. 3-in-1, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full you never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters you also have point 3 second point 3 second fingerprint
0: When your best friend can actually tell you, hey, man, you're going too far. Your best friend can pull you aside or even just a good friend can pull you aside and go, hey, what you just said or did there, that was the wrong call. Don't do that. Um, that's what a good friend can do. Um, it would be weird. For one, you wouldn't go and have that conversation in front of an audience. So if you want to have this, if you want to have the hard truth talk, I think that should actually be Christian and Edge backstage, not doing this contrived the peep show because it comes off as mean um, that the, the same stuff that would come as I'm trying to help you as your friend. When I say, Hey, come up my radio show and I'll tell you the hard truth about yourself has a sudden mean and exhibitionist quality to it. Yeah,
1: I'm going to embarrass you in front of people and, and, and I'm going to, you know, it, it's, it's the difference between, <laughs> you know, if you got kicked out of a band doing it in front of the rest of the band versus going up to the guy one-on-one and saying, Hey, look, it's not working out.
0: Versus doing it during the gig that night. Yeah, and by right. the way, this is Tony's last night in the band. <laughs> Let's give him a big round of applause. Who
1: broke up like oh the alarm broke up like that one night where where just one guy just goes and this is our last show. And it was news to everybody else. <laughs> now here's sold me down the river. Okay. Um <laughs> I liked I, I, I like this Ray um Seth Rollins interplay to a
0: point. Yeah, there's something interesting happening between them to a point. Yeah, that the you you nailed it. To a point is the right thing because it's not altogether bad, but it it always seems to overstay.
1: Yeah. It, it goes it goes about it goes that extra beat a little too far where you're like, eh, okay, now I don't believe it anymore." You believe it up to a point and then it might be Ray swearing. I don't know. It might be Dominic's involvement. I don't know what, or it just might be. Seth then starts to twirl the mustache a bit. I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere between. I don't story.
0: believe Ray's story. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I just I don't buy into this Ray push as being a push that's going to go anywhere. So I mean, part of it you're just not hooking me, um, into really buying into Ray's struggle right now.
1: And the Street Prophets and the Viking Raiders. <laughs> I just don't know. Uh,
0: I the, don't the know. It's not is, for me. I, right. What is this getting over? I don't, like, like, what is the concept? What is my takeaway supposed to be from these? Other than I just had a good time watching two babyface tag teams, you know, have some fun with each other. Like, part of me enjoys the idea that babyface tag teams are friends and don't hate each other. Like part of me really wants to buy into that and really like that because I think that's a dynamic that's missing from baby faces. And if we're trying to laud virtues among our baby faces, being a good and decent friend and knowing when it's time to compete and when it's time to be chill is a good virtue to have on television. But these bits aren't particularly funny and I don't know what this is in service to narratively.
1: So instead of, well, let's do NXT's TV show. Any thoughts from that before we go into our backlash preview? I, you know, I thought, I thought NXT was okay. I just...
0: Wait, wait, hold on. I do have one more thing on Raw here. Okay, um, no we That's tapped right. out the Viking Raiders on Monday night. And I thought that was utterly ridiculous. I have no problem narratively getting Bobby Lashley and MVP the win over the Viking Raiders. Mm-hmm. That should have been a three count off of a spear. Tapping out both of the Viking Raiders and having neither one of them really put up much of a fight before they're like, "Ah, (laughs) what are you doing? They are Vikings. Like yeah, Eric I- and Ivar, like they were they broke like mid-card jobbers Hold in the on. full Nelson.
1: They don't know how to play basketball. Do they know how to stop a full Nelson and tap out? They should they should just be going out like a light as opposed to like whining about it. They should have and no screaming idea. Screaming and though.
0: like angry about it. But yeah, they're like, mm-hmm, like that. Please stop. No, it hurts. Like, no, <laughs> come on. Come on. They're Vikings. Stop with the kicking. Oh no!
1: Please, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, you, you you emasculated Vikings on your television.
0: Their whole gimmick is they're tough. Yeah, and, and, and what should have happened is in this struggle like Ivar struggles to get out of this or Eric struggles to get out of this and he is fighting like mad like running to the ropes and trying to get there and you have Lashley just keep pulling him back into the center of the ring commentary is on commentary going oh my god Lashley is so strong Eric's a Viking these guys do x y and z they toss logs and blah, blah blah and he can't even get out of the Full Nelson, this is your opportunity to actually get over the Full Nelson, a goofy submission in 2020, over as a credible threat because Bobby Lashley is a physical specimen. He's so strong that even this tough, grizzled, hard-fighting Viking who you're watching struggle right now, struggle for like the last minute to get out of this thing. He can't get out, and he finally is just exhausted and passes out. That should have been the beat there. Instead of, please stop. Like after five seconds, <laughs> ridiculous.
1: Uh, high points for me from, um, from NXT. I really liked that Casey Catanzaro Dakota Kai match. I did, I thought it was everything it should have been. I, I thought you know, Casey was just outclassed, but she was trying to mount a comeback. Uh, you know, Dakota I think Kai- they
0: finally got a good idea for her style of match yeah. too is like the old style 1996 ray mysterio match and yeah, i yeah. think if i was advising her if i was like you know her trainer or whatever we'd be sitting down and just making her watch old wcw ray mysterio because that's what's going to get her over she's always going to be small but ray was small and ray got over how Go and watch those tapes.
1: Yeah, he was an ass kicker, even though he was small. He he, he would he would he would Bugs Bunny everybody. He'd out yeah, he murdered
0: stuff. you with pace. Yeah, Leo Rush was kind of getting a little bit, bit of that going into his offense back when he was still with the company. But I think Casey can kind of take that and even go further with it because uh, she's so she's so technical. Um, that's a, Ray really kind of evokes that 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 Ray because he was so fluid. His all of his moves are just like they are the textbook version of them and Casey's are almost two textbook but i think she can do that um and i think that she can make that work for herself
1: yeah and uh you know everything else was kind of 50-50 for me um i'm a little disappointed in that uh in the follow up to the uh, damian priest loss was just him saying i'm having my moments so i can be infamous uh yeah right i love the interplay with cameron grimes because cameron grimes is such a great flake the problem is they then went 50 50 with cameron grimes and gave him the win over finn balor back i just i i didn't understand it i i really don't I, th- I thought it would be great for grimes to go around for weeks saying he beat finn balor
0: yeah and that actually should have been a point of tension between priest and grimes we're like they're they're friends, but Grimes can't help but showboat. It can't help but bring up the fact that he is so great because he is Cameron Grimes. Uh, like, no, I, I think there's a great character there with Cameron Grimes that they haven't quite found. But I even like the whole kind of a ladies' man, but also kind of a flake still.
1: Yeah. I- <laughs>
0: Like, I like the idea that he's good looking enough and slick enough that, like, he can holler at girls and they'll listen to him initially, and then he gets about a paragraph and a half in, and they're like, oh, you're you one of those. know what he is?
1: He's the guy. scuzzy guy with confidence. Yeah. And he just, he, the confidence will get him through, and, and, you know, women will at first be attracted to that, and then they realize he's scuzzy, and they want to get away from that. I love
0: that. I know it's a good character it's a good authentic and like not authentic to him but like a, an authentic character that we all know in real life and yeah like I, I think that that's he's fun. He's the
1: guy that walks in the club and you go there's no way and then he, all of a sudden he's talking to the hottest girl in the club and you're like how, how the hell did that happen
0: and then two hours later he's getting a drink thrown in his face and yes, getting slapped
1: yes he goes too far with it he goes, hey you know hey let's take this meeting back to my place. Yeah, <laughs> everything's
0: going well yeah. until it's not going well
1: yeah exactly and then, and then it just funny and you're like yeah I, and then and it just reinforces your particulars oh yeah i knew it i knew that that was that wasn't gonna work out because you know, she should be with somebody like me. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> no, I, I knew a guy I knew a guy just like Grimes back in college. I, I had a friend just every like him. Guy
1: I, every guy I knew in college was just like Grimes.
0: <laughs> Wait, no, no. Can, can, let me give you one story from this guy, though. So one time we we're in an elevator um, at UMass uh, at one of the, the high-rise dorms. They have, like, dorms that go up, like, 20 feet or 20 stories. Um, we get on this elevator. I'm standing next to the dude. He pulls out some perfume from his pocket and sprays it on this girl and then goes, you smell nice. And like, (laughs) I just start, (laughs) I start laughing. Like, (laughs) I'm like covering my eyes like, oh my God. I don't know if
1: that, that might be the creepiest thing I've ever heard.
0: It, like if it had gotten anywhere remotely off of the blocks, yeah. I mean, it's still like this. This guy. There's a reason why we weren't friends for super long. But I just that one's always killed me. Oh my
1: god! <laughs> 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 hey, you smelled like crap before, but now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no.
0: yeah but because she like looks at me like, what the hell just happened? And then he goes, "You smell."
1: that's That's a power move though I, I, it, yeah that's, right, right. And that's like,
0: that is that's the sort of thing that Grimes would do it's like just like what are you doing
1: nah you know Grimes would spray it on himself
0: go, don't I smell nice <laughs> what do you think of this cologne what do you
1: think of this yeah what do you how do you think I smell is it is this pleasant to your nostrils <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy was a trip, man. Uh, what do we think about Gargano and Keith Lee doing the match in street clothes?
1: I look—I already don't like mixed tags, and especially the way that WWE does them, uh, where it's boy, boy, girl, girl, and I don't—I don't like intergender wrestling. So uh, it's not—it's not that I'm opposed to it, guys. So don't get on 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 me about that. But I just—it it takes me out of certain realities of it. It's oh not yeah, I mean, I'll can you imagine
0: Candice LeRae wrestling Keith Lee and trying to really get any credibility into the the Candice heat spot on Keith? He's just too darn big. Um, but, but I also did that. but
1: they did that during the match. Remember, they they yeah. she she had him, and then Gargano helped with the DDT, and then she celebrated. And that was a nice spot. I didn't mind that spot because she's a heel, so she's celebrating things she shouldn't be taking credit for. I just it's it's just one of those things where it's like okay. Are we fighting or are we dancing? And it feels like in these matches we're dancing.
0: Yeah, and I just, getting into this, getting into this match, I, I didn't feel like they really earned it. Yeah. So I, it yeah. just, it didn't do anything it, for it, me it, as it, a match. It, yeah.
1: It felt like you needed Teddy Long, let me holla at you, player. And and we're going to have ourselves a mixed tag match. Holla if you hear me. Bell after the break. I, yeah. Um,
0: and his chair gets a quick little squash.
1: I, yeah. It's fine. I like Bivens. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I know no, I like high.
0: Bivens. Yeah, I know. We're we're Bivens fans.
1: I did like that. Beth. He really likes early '90s hip hop. And he was she was trying to throw a softball to Morrow. <laughs> I don't think Morrow hit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see with that. Um. I'd I'd love him with. God, I'd love him on the main roster with a team that needs it. I, I really would. Um.
0: I'd almost like him. Uh, next, next group I want to talk about. I'd like him with Brizongo as like a guy who's helping Brizongo get their heads on straight.
1: I liked that little promo. I, I think it's a little too. too cute by half, though. At yes. times, I think I think it's a "Wow, you're 32 kind of thing. I, I, you know, I don't want to know their ages because uh, I actually I think uh, Johnny Curtis is like thirty seven. I think he's like yeah. a little bit older than he is, but I, I like having Brizongo as a wrestling. Wrestling thing more than entertainment group, and I think this kind of helped a bit.
0: Um, yeah, they need I, to figure out. I, we'll know if it's good or not when they actually kind of establish some in-ring offense. Because like what they did and that they mentioned explicitly, I kind of like that line too. Is like before the first bell, we like to have fun, and then after the se- after the first bell, you know, like it's it's a totally different side of us. Um, so I want to just see them doing a set schedule of offense and they're a talented enough duo in the ring that they can do that i just i hope that they actually think about what is this new brisango wrestle like
1: i thought the phantasma turn was too soon i wanted to see a tag match and just do the, the do the rick flair thing where you do the horseman beat down i i i didn't mind it i thought it was good um i kind of wanted them to be a uh, be a <laughs> i kind of wanted them to kind of play up the uh I wanted the duality thing a little bit longer. I, yeah, wanted, I, w- yes, I wanted him yeah. in the ma- good guy in a mask, bad guy without a mask type of thing.
0: I, d- I, think, I think so. A couple of things should have happened there for me. One, I wanted him to actually have the handshake. Two, I want them to fight off the mask guys. I love your angle about them having a tag match. And then the betrayal happens because that helps us get into the build of Drake Maverick now realizing what he's really up against and realizing where the odds are stacked and he thought that he had an ally and he actually has an enemy um i just think it makes more drama for the baby face to underdog his way through
1: dude they could have done do you remember flair and sting versus anderson and pillman where it yeah was, yeah it was yeah, rumored, yeah it was rumored that flair was jumped before the match so sting's in there sting, sting's taking on the two two of them in there and flair comes out bloody and street clothes You know, give me the tag, give me the tag. As soon as he tags in, all three of them just go off on Sting. That that's that's all that was needed here. I liked what it was. I like, Joaquin Wild, and I love Raúl Mendoza. I mean, why
0: are they taking off their masks too? Exactly. Yeah, no, (laughs) especially the two guys. Like, like I don't need them taking off their masks at all. I like keep those dudes under him. We know that it's Raúl Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. Like,
1: who? who, Let me ask you something. Did they just fake the other two guys on the first guy? Or were all three of them in on it uh, the whole time, so that they yeah? Who's the other three person
0: three? they abducted? Right? Do we, have, yeah. like,
1: do we have like Dark Order guys running it's around? Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas. Yes. Uh, Jake Atlas. I'm, is
0: I'm still pushing. Atlas. I'm still pushing for Jake Atlas. He's the fourth man.
1: Then finally, Chris. Hourglass.
0: How do you make Scarlett, like <laughs> funny looking? I I, I just. She's supposed, I mean, she is good looking, but like, I'm like laughing at her and I should be feeling something else. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I, right there, she's a, the smoke show. Like, yeah, the whole idea that's like, that's the sensibility she's supposed to be appealing to, not campy slash, what the, what is this look that she, like, it, I, I'm, I'm chuckling. The I'm not
1: attached to her gloves aren't doing anything for you, Chris. Is that what? You're right.
0: Saying? It's all. It's all very goofy, and it, they're not even doing the vampire thing you're talking about. They're just, you know, dark weirdos.
1: Yeah, but they're. They're. I mean, he's he's now in a title match. It looks like, or he's going to be, which is. That's a monster push for NXT. It is. I mean, you usually don't see it this quick.
0: Well, I think he's going to be in a multi-man matchup to determine the number one contender is what's happening here. I don't know that he's going to be in the title match. I think that this is a false alarm.
1: But you also have heel-on-heel heel stuff here going with with Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era, um, which is also something that they've kind of – they've never really gone hard into a heel-versus-heel type of thing. So I wonder if they're turning – I wonder if they're going to make cross and, and well, they can't because they just beat Champa. So who who's the audience supposed to be behind here? Adam Cole?
0: Yeah. See, here's what I think happens. Cross loses the number one contender match, and he ends up going off against Keith Lee. Or no, Keith Lee doesn't have the title. But I don't think Cross... is. I think he's a fake out, man. I think he's a red herring. I think it's just to add intrigue that everyone's coming for Adam Cole's belt.
1: Wait, did I miss that? Is, is Keith Lee? i thought keith lee had the title
0: no I, it, it doesn't gargano <laughs> Hold on. who the hell's the champion right now in the mid card uh
1: let's see north american champion is keith lee yeah he okay can, he so uh, okay title, so, but, yeah. so
0: that's where i think this goes i think this goes to cross and keith lee ultimately oh
1: okay i get yeah
0: because that's a much more natural fit. It's much more to their booking sensibilities. And what they like to do is they like to do the multi-man. Uh, everyone's going for the champion, but I, I think we're getting a Dexter Loomis versus Adam Cole title match at some point.
1: Okay, so you think this is a MacGuffin. And that <laughs> yes, she's, she's yeah. going to do this to all the champions in some way.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and I think after Cross doesn't get his chance to go for that title, yeah, she, she does it to Keith Lee. Um, or maybe she attacks Mia Yim.
1: Okay, I, I could see that. Um, and that's a good way to get out of that story, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't want to see, I don't see that. Endless feedback loop. Yeah, no, I don't want to see that, um, and I don't want the endless feedback loop between Candace and Johnny.
1: Yeah. Okay, so any other thoughts on NXT?
0: Not really. It's just not a not particularly hot product right now. Raquel Gonzalez, I wish that they hadn't just decided to make her big Sonya Deville. Um I I like the, the the cowgirl like the tejano cowgirl thing she was doing a year ago. I just thought that was such a cooler and fresher character. Um having her in this look takes away from some of her mystique. I
1: kind of agree. I think there I think you you I I hadn't heard the what'd you call her B- bigger S- Sonia DeVille Bigger Sonia DeVille. That's that's a little on the nose I I think. I I uh yeah it's the
0: exactly. same clothing it's just for a person who is taller she's, same, i mean same she's hair taller yeah, yeah same yeah. hairstyle yeah oh
1: man <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta ponder that one a bit um but the wwe is having backlash on sunday i don't know if i'm gonna watch live i gotta be honest with you um
0: no i i, I can't imagine watching live that'll seven, definitely be with the fast forward button as a resource
1: seven match card for now possible eighth being added after yesterday's Nakamura Cesaro win over the New Day, uh, it was. I thought it was originally supposed to be penciled in as the Forgotten Sons, or even Riker versus Big E. Who knows what happened there? You can guess from people's tweets what happened there. I think, but uh, we will go with the card as is for the United States Championship: Apollo Cruz versus Andrade with Zelina Vega. New, with a new regime coming into Raw, who knows how they view either of these guys. I think this will be the wrestling match of the show. The the inter Zelina squabble between Theory and now between Garza and Andrade, it's just cooled me off on everybody, much like they did with Humberto Carrillo, much like they kind of did with Apollo Crews. I, I don't... I don't understand all this stop-start stuff with all of them. It wouldn't shock me if Andrade wins the title back here, but I think they can do the Andrade-Garza split without the title. So I'm leaning towards Apollo Crews here.
0: Yeah, I think Apollo wins the match, and I think it's because of a miscommunication between Angel and Andrade, which furthers the rift. And maybe it's not clear where Zelina's loyalties lie after that
1: yeah um and then maybe apollo might lose the belt on on monday who knows um in a triple threat match for the wwe women's tag team championship bailey and sasha banks depending of it depending defending against alexa bliss and nikki cross and the iconics chris this is the most accidentally deepest story that wwe is telling right now and i'm gonna go into why Okay. These are are three teams. This is a story of three different kinds of friendship and it's it. They've fallen into this and I don't think they've realized what they've fallen into. You have the unreciprocated friendship of Alexa bliss and Nikki cross, where one thinks the other is her best friend and the other is just kind of friendly to the other. You have the iconics who have been best friends since childhood, but they're growing apart in some ways and then you have the Bailey-Sasha friendship, which is the friendship based on a rivalry, but there's still underlying tensions from that rivalry that are getting ready to bubble up and show themselves. And it's, it's an awesome dynamic if you think about it but they haven't really
0: great opportunity to the match where you can have all three teams have miscommunications and spotlight (laughs) the subtext of each one of those miscommunications. And that actually makes for something interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. I don't think they'll go that far. I I, I could see a spot where two of them have miscommunication and Alexa and Nikki are just kind of watching in disbelief as these two teams scream at one another.
0: I could see all three having, Well, I don't think it should be that on the nose, right? Like I think it should be, you know, um, Billy Kay runs off the ropes for a boot and accidentally hits Peyton Royce because Nikki Cross ducks. Um, Later on in the match, at one point, Alexa Bliss is in the corner and Bailey runs off the ropes doing her wacky inflatable tube thing, uh, you know, and Alexa ducks out and accidentally gives a forearm to Sasha Banks. Just like one beat for each one of them within some plausibility, that just adds a little bit more of the tensions and the fact that these teams are kind of not on the same page the way they once were. Um, and if you want to add a wrinkle, um, maybe go the other way with Nikki cross and Alexa and make Alexa realize that Nikki's actually a valuable asset.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could always, you know, always end this match with Bailey and Billy Kay being a team and Peyton and Sasha being a team too. But um. I think because of the announcement that the NXT women's tag champs will be on, or not NXT, but the WWE women's tag champs will be on NXT defending against Shotzi and Tegan Knox. I think it, the obvious play here is the champs retain and it's going to be Bailey and Sasha on your TV on Wednesday.
0: That would be fun. I'm not gonna lie though. I actually kind of like the idea of the Iconics winning the titles and going back to NXT. I kind of do because
1: they they can continue the story that Bailey and Sasha can't beat the Iconics. Um, whenever
0: and the Iconics going back to NXT to talk about how great and successful they are and how (laughs) what great yeah. There's just there's a lot of fun there, and I always feel like they worked really well on that slightly smaller state that more intimate stage
1: yeah they, they work there i i think though i mean you have such richness in sasha and <laughs> sasha and and bailey coming back to to the old high school where they dominated and just going yeah i guess you guys can't live up to us can you type of thing i think that kind of heat is good don't know about Shotzi being a match, but that's a personal preference.
0: Um. <laughs> I, I just, you know, like Shotzi's got a, a great look, and you can tell she's got some personality. But the the actual wrestling right now is not where it needs to be for this to go much further.
1: Who's your pick for what? This
0: for this match? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'll say champs retain. I'll okay. say champs retain. Yeah.
1: Jeff Hardy taking on Sheamus in a singles match. <laughs> this is going to be longer than it should be. It's going to be a l- very narrative-driven. Um, hope God, I hope Joe's on commentary the entire time. He's so good. Uh, but I don't think he will be because it's a SmackDown match. I think this feud must continue, so I think it's going to be Seamus this time. I know in in my previous – Yeah, Seamus wins
0: off of something stupid. Like maybe – oh, God. Seamus is going to bring up being Irish and liking to drink ale and liking to drink. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think that – yeah, it's going to be trying to entice him with alcohol and stuff. We've already – and if you go, oh, that's too tasteless, we've already embraced tastelessness with the entirety of this angle
1: yeah i i i I just don't know i this this could end poorly um (laughs) this could end with people from like a psychiatric unit taking jeff away you know he could distract him with you know a giant bottle of pills at ringside and then jeff falls off the top rope and he gets pinned it could be very stupid or it could just be you know stupid baby face syndrome but i think I think this will continue because I think we're going we're to go into the skid here. Um, <laughs> so,
0: uh, going into the skid, you say?
1: Yes, I, I, I had originally thought that Jeff was going to get the overcome story, but I think, I think this has to continue, so I think Sheamus wins. Asuka, the champion, defending her title against Nia Jax. Chris, I'll let you go first.
0: Asuka has to win this match. Uh, Nia Jax, I think, needs a break, is what she needs. She just she needs to take some time and uh, do things. Uh, workshop things. Wh- whatever. But um, uh, Nia Jax, uh, it's not going to be a good match. Nia Jax doesn't have good matches, really. Uh, and I hope Asuka retains. And if they choose to put the belt on Nia Jax, that would be a tremendous mistake. I
1: think 90% of me says Asuka wins this, and I think it's going to be better than we think because I think Asuka wants to have a good match with Nia Jax. There's that bug in my head, though. Pritchard's coming on board. Charlotte is obviously the star of this division, and they've been playing up the Asuka-Charlotte thing.
0: And there's no heat to the idea of a Nia versus Charlotte angle at this there point. There
1: isn't, but hear me out here. Nia beats. Asuka with Charlotte's help. Charlotte asks for a title shot on Monday. Charlotte has the title on Monday. Asuka and then maybe Shayna Baszler chase. I think they may go that way. I think they may give Nia the humiliating one day run because I think they promised her a title run at some point. But they still kind of want to punish her for. They're going to give her
0: the cane run?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's possible. I think I think it's possible that, you know, they come over and they don't like Asuka's talking and gibberish shtick, which is what they're going to view it as. Um, and I think that the call will be we're going to go with the safe choice and we're going to try and find a way to get the belt on Charlotte, but we want to keep Asuka strong. So Charlotte helps Naya. Naya has to give a title shot on Monday and loses the belt. I, I think that's the way they go with this.
0: I think it'd be that could be a fun thing if, throughout the duration, Charlotte is just really cheating dirty. Like, she even cheats dirty on Nia Jax. Yeah. Like, just really establish yourself as, like, the lowest of the low top heel. But uh, I, I don't know. I hope we don't go that direction. I, but it, you, what you're saying doesn't – it doesn't make no sense. I'll put it that way. It makes some sense.
1: It's not not a double negative.
0: <laughs> well, it's not nonsense, Jeff. I, if I said it's not nonsense, you wouldn't recognize that as a double <laughs> negative, right? Like, it's only because I say no twice that we move into double ne- negative territory. But think about it. Read between the lines, people.
1: Braun Strowman taking on the team of Miz and Morrison, do in a two-on-one handicap match for the WWE Universal Championship. I think Braun runs through them. I think there's a hope spot for them. I think he eventually beats one of the two. And I think there's a good chance that the two of them beat him down after the match, and Otis cashes in. I think I think Otis.
0: I'm going a different way. I okay. actually have them winning, and then I have Otis cashing okay. in on them, on them both just as like schlubs. Cause like I, I could totally see the Michael Cole going how is this going to work? What is this going to mean? And then, and then all of a Otis sudden, Ot- comes in. yeah, yeah
1: I, I think I had posited that earlier. And I, I, I don't know why I backed off of that. I, I, I thought maybe see, cause there's, been, there's, there's just been this weird tension between Braun and Otis. So I thought they might play into that, but I, I think, I think you're right. Maybe I just don't see them taking the belt off of Braun right now. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Braun winning this outright right now and then maybe not having the cash in. So I'm just going to go straight for right now.
0: Okay, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, Yeah. Um, We still have a story to tell with Mandy and Corbin and Otis. That still remains unresolved.
1: Yeah, and I think think eventually Corbin beats Otis for the briefcase. I, I think that has to be the way it goes. I don't think Otis gets to cash this thing in.
0: Mm, That could be it. Or the other way it could be is like Corbin beats Otis for the title when Mandy betrays Otis. So like, yeah, yeah. Like Otis is the king with his queen, and then his queen betrays him for Baron Corbin. Because that would be like the one person where he'd be like, oh, my God, you dumped Otis for him? Heat, heat, got the
1: heat. Uh, Drew McIntyre taking on Bobby Lashley. Uh (laughs) I, I made a derogatory comparison to Lana in my preview. I will not repeat it here, but if you want to read it, go to Voices of Wrestling. Uh, I think she gets involved. I think MVP's involved. I think Lashley gets distracted. I think McIntyre Claymore kicks him. And then probably the next night, Lashley beats Apollo Crews for the United States title as a as a consolation prize.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, I, I do think we still have to finish the dissolution of Lashley and Lana. Um, so, like, it's is
1: weird, isn't it? It
0: is. It is. It's very weird.
1: We got rid of Rusev and we broke them up, so that we could have this story. And half the times, I don't even recognize Lana anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, she just doesn't look like the Lana character that we are used to. Um, and she, it, it's, it's weird. It's just weird.
1: Yeah, and I think MVP is probably a better match with Bobby.
0: Oh, um, certainly, and they, they are a time-tested duo at other companies as yeah. well. It seems like MVP knows how to present Lashley. They have a good rapport with each other on screen. Uh, MVP should be doing the talking for Lashley, but he also just seems to be, as a mouthpiece, he seems to be a much more fitting mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley than Lana has ever been because she just doesn't, she doesn't speak to the motivations of the guy, whereas it's like MVP can be like, you used to be a killer. You used to be a murderer. And, like, Lana never says anything like that.
1: Yeah, and that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a, a back-and-forth match. Lashley's going to have the upper hand. MVP's gonna be going to be going to be telling him to go in for the kill or something. Lana comes down, tells, tells her to play with Drew a little bit more, something like that. He gets mixed messages, confused, distracted. What are you doing here? Claymore kick, one, two, three. And then finally, Chris, the greatest wrestling match to ever exist, to ever go on, to ever be recorded and then edited into a crowd-pleasing way. Edge versus Randy Orton, who you got?
0: Uh, I've got Randy Orton. I agree. It seems like the only, like, I don't think that this is going to be a quote-unquote wrestling match. Uh, It's certainly not a contender for the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, I think that it ends with Randy Orton abandoning the tradition of sport mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form to get the win,
1: and that will be the whatever whatever he uses to get the upper hand will be
0: the stipulation for stipulation the next
1: stipulation for the rubber match in front of a crowd because we have to continue this feud until we get crowds so that Edge gets a proper send off goodbye.
0: Uh, yeah. So getting- on that note, when do they think? they're going to be able to run in front of audiences again, because right now the prospects in the news for uh, a return to normalcy seem a bit dicey.
1: Florida, Florida will be Florida or Texas. Okay,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Florida will be Florida. That's true. Um, But when do, when do they think that is?
1: I don't know. I think they're going to wait for AEW to do it first. I gotta be honest with you. I don't think they're going to lead on this. I think they're going to, that would
0: be, that'd be wise, especially since they completely mishandled the WrestleMania. Um and didn't even really take advantage of doing it doing something for charities or something for COVID 19.
1: Yeah, but I believe this feud must continue. And since Edge yeah. won the first one, Randy Orton will win the second one. What does this mean for the feud later? But I think Edge will probably be taken off TV for a while after that and then have another comeback. Um you know, if we get back to normal, and who knows on that. But that is your backlash preview um on paper. Nothing for me to write home about. Some interesting things in there, um, but we'll be watching, and we'll have our takes on it next week. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow the show at Shake the Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Chris is uh, knee deep in politics. Tell us, yeah,
0: yeah. There's a lot of content. There's gonna be a lot of content coming out the next week here, like three new episodes. So if you want to check those out? Go and check out. Don't worry about the government, which you can find at Don't Worry and on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash. D.W.A.T.G. just put out a premium episode where I talked about uh, full-tone pedals, which was an intersection between two of my passions, guitar effects pedals, and and some news and politics. Uh, A lot of people, I've been getting lots of good feedback on the premium episode, which means that a lot of people seem to like it. Uh, So if you're interested in checking out, don't worry about the government. Now's as good a time as any, uh, so why not do it? That's what I say. Why not go and do it?
1: Make sure you go to voicesofwrestling.com for all of your wrestling coverage. Listen to all the podcasts, read all the posts, lots of good experts. If you don't like WWE, we got your solution for you. For Chris Novembrino, I'm Jeff Hawkins. Talk to you next week.
0: Who's your district attorney?